Tonight, we all know that sneaky Patrick Brown is a lying liar, but maybe he is dangerous as well. It's Friday, May 6, 2022, and this is the Ezra LeVent Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Hey folks, did you catch the conservative leadership debate last night? Well, if you didn't, here's the post-game summary. Judging by applause, the clear-cut winner was surely Pierre Polyev. Judging by the boos, the jeers, and even downright derisive laughter, the definite loser was Jean Charest. No surprise there, really. But there was also a candidate who lost the debate due to default, given that he was a no-show, and that would be sneaky Patrick Brown, Brampton's full-time mayor and part-time Zamboni inspector. One must wonder what Patrick Brown was thinking. Why wouldn't he want to be on a national stage making a case for what he believes in? Gee, could it be because the majority of Canadians aren't buying what he's selling? Or maybe because so many grassroots conservatives know that Patrick Brown is a compulsive liar, you know, the kind of guy who would spit in your face and tell you that it's raining. Or maybe because we all know, or we should know, that Patrick Brown will say anything to anyone if he thinks it will garner him a vote or three. All of my points are provable, folks, by the way. For example, check out how we caught Patrick red-handed at a Brampton hockey rink in 2020. This tale never gets old. Here's the backstory. Brown had closed all the playgrounds and baseball diamonds and soccer pitches to the children of Brampton. He hired Paladin Security to spy on these facilities, and if they saw violators, the security guards would call Brampton bylaw, and like firefighters to a four-alarm blaze, the bylaw buzzards would whip over to the scene of the crime and issue hefty tickets. It was all about keeping people safe at the height of COVID, you see. But Patrick Brown is one of those political parasites who subscribes to the mantra of do as I say, not as I do. We were tipped off that Brown was playing shinny at the Earnscliff Recreation Center with his berry buddies. At first blush, we found this tip hard to believe. Surely even Patrick Brown isn't that entitled. But we paid a visit to the rink, and, well, here's what transpired. Well, folks, um, we're getting the bums rush, but holy mackerel, I think I see Patrick Brown himself. Oh, hey, how you doing? Mr. Brown, right? Yeah. David Manzi with Rebel News. You're in, a, you're in a city facility? What's that? You're in a city facility? Yeah, so are yeah. you. Yeah. So, are you yeah. playing hockey here? Or? No, I'm just coming to check in our facility. So, okay, I'm going to... We're going to check you. You're, you're not supposed to be here, actually. We were told that uh, you play pickup here. Mr. Brown, how come uh, the kids in Brampton can only practice sports, but your buddies can play hockey? Yeah. So, um, I don't know why um, you are harassing people in the city of Brampton, but you shouldn't be. Oh, who's harassing yeah. who? Your, you, your, your guy handed out 
122 bylaw violations in one week. Mr. Brown, why is there a hockey game going on in this arena? I thought you're only allowed to uh, practice sports, not play them. And who is paying the $1,000 a day, Mr. Brown, for this rink? Mr. Brown, are these taxpayer dollars being used for your buddies to play hockey on this rink? Or are you paying it? Or perhaps we'll lead Solomon. So Mr. Brown, why is it one law for me and one law for thee in this city? Mr. Brown? Oh yeah, he was there all right. He was there to inspect the facility. You know, if I had a job that entailed checking Freon levels and tinkering with the engine of a Zamboni, I would also wear a finely tailored suit from Harry Rosen as opposed to, you know, haberdashery obtained from Mark's work warehouse. But Brown blatantly lied about his shinny shenanigans. He would also later lie with his pals in the mainstream media that I had misrepresented myself as a correspondent with Maple Leafs TV, an outlet that doesn't exist, by the way. And he wrapped it all up in a bow by stating that Rebel News is an Islamophobic organization. Gee, I'm sure that last allegation must come as a shock and a surprise to Raheel Raza, the chair of Rebel News. I mean, I don't think a Muslim would want to be part of an Islamic news organization after all. But here's the deal. If Patrick Brown is caught on tape lying about a little thing like sneaking off to a hockey arena to play a sport that was verboten to all the other citizens of his city, well then chances are he's going to lie about the big things too. That's really why the Progressive Conservative Party made Patrick walk the plank back in January 2018. It really had little to do with an alleged sex scandal and a whole lot more to do with the fact that Patrick Brown was destroying the party's brand thanks to his incessant lying. For example, he told social conservatives that if made leader of the PC party and elected premier, he would terminate the liberals' radicalized sex education curriculum. And then, after becoming party leader, he tossed social conservatives under the bus by telling them, nope, the sex ed curriculum, it's just fine and dandy, thank you very much. Inexplicably, he then tossed fiscal conservatives under the bus when one of his first major policy announcements was his vow to bring in a provincial carbon tax for Ontario. That was baffling. Despite declines in recent years, Ontario is still a manufacturing province. A carbon tax would have been cancerous. So when allegations of a sex scandal emerged, the PC party had a very convenient excuse to stage a palace coup and rid themselves of someone who was less leader and more compulsive liar. But like Friday the 13th's Jason Voorhees, Patrick Brown is back from the grave. This shameless shyster has set his sights on becoming the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, ultimately hoping to engage, emerge as our next prime minister. <laughs> Holy horror movie indeed. Yet, 
what does Patrick Brown stand for? Since tossing his hat in the ring back in March, for the most part, he's been missing in action. Unlike the other five candidates who have been crisscrossing our great dominion and holding rallies, Patrick Brown has had about as much of a public presence as the Invisible Man. Well, not quite. You see, Patrick Brown is less about public rallies and far more about backroom deals. And one of those deals that he cooked up recently is downright disturbing. As reported in the Globe and Mail, in private appeals to Tamil Canadians, Brown has promised to deliver an apology as Prime Minister for Canada's behavior during the Sri Lankan Civil War that ended in 2009. You know, I don't know what Canada was supposed to have done in a civil war half a world away, maybe send in the snowbirds for a flyby. But Patrick has nevertheless offered to serve up a mea culpa on the behalf of all Canadians because he thinks that some Tamil Canadians will support him for this. Wow. But wait, there's more, folks. Brown has also promised to remove the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Elam, a.k.a. the Tamil Tigers, from Public Safety Canada's list of designated terrorist organizations. This group was first put on the terrorist list by Prime Minister Stephen Harper's government in 2006. Yeah, when Patrick Brown was an MP in that very government. Funny how he didn't raise a ruckus about the Sri Lankan conflict back then. Oh, but then again, what am I saying? He didn't stand to personally benefit from taking such a stance some 16 years ago. Yikes. By the way, the blacklist pertaining to the Tamil Tigers is not just a conservative thing. The Justin Trudeau Liberals reaffirmed the Tamil Tiger terrorist designation after a, a review in 2018. Here's what Public Safety Canada stated then, quote, Although the LTTE was militarily defeated in May 2009, subversion, destabilization, and fundraising continue particularly in the diaspora, end quote. Should be noted that this is not just a Canadian thing either. 32 other nations around the world also consider the Tamil Tigers to be a terrorist group. And rightly so. The Tamil Tigers were actually successful in assassinating a former head of state, namely India's Rajiv Gandhi. That's quite the achievement for a terror group. Yet even though the Tamil Tigers have blood on their hands, Patrick Brown, he could care less. That's because Canada is home to one of the largest Tamil populations outside Sri Lanka. Approximately 140,000 Canadians claim Tamil as their mother tongue. The overall population of the Tamil Canadian community is estimated at about twice that number. In numerous Greater Toronto Area ridings, Tamil voters count for more than 10% of the electorate. Brown is obviously wagering that most Tamil Canadians are supporters of the Tigers and that they would respond favorably to the Tigers being removed from the terrorist list. The quid pro quo, of course, is that these Tamil Canadians would support Patrick Brown by buying party memberships and voting for him. That's what's so appalling about Patrick Brown's pledge to declassify the Tamil Tigers. He aims to do so not because it is the right thing to do, 
not the right thing to do for Canada, that is, but because it's potentially the right thing to do for Patrick Brown's leadership ambitions. That, in a nutshell, is Patrick Brown for you. The party he represents is not the Ontario Progressive Conservatives nor the federal Conservatives, but rather he's leader of the Me, Myself and I party. Yet by exploiting diaspora politics for purely personal gain, Brown is playing a very dangerous game here indeed. And by the way, how low will he go? What about, I don't know, declassifying Al-Qaeda as a terrorist group in order to entice pro-Al-Qaeda Muslim Canadians to the Brown camp? Hey, I'm sure our homegrown Al-Qaeda terrorist, little Omar Khadr, would approve. Heck, Omar could even make a substantial donation to the Brown campaign, given that this murderer is a multimillionaire <laughs> due to your tax dollars hard at work yet again. By the way, we can all thank Prime Minister Trudeau for that benevolence, given that Justin has apparently never met a jihadi he didn't admire. But in the big picture, think of what's consuming the thoughts of most Canadians these days. Like how about gasoline at almost two bucks a litre? How about inflation spiraling out of control? Just how many citizens go to bed at night thinking that hopefully, maybe one day, there will be a prime minister who will finally remove the Tamil Tigers from the terrorist list. But this is inconsequential to Mr. Brown, the leader of the Me, Myself and I party. Clearly, his goal is to sell hundreds, if not thousands of party memberships to certain targeted ethnic groups. Brown promises to pay attention to their old mother world concerns. In return, they need only buy a party membership and vote for Patrick Brown. The thing is, such a whorish strategy might just swing the vote in certain key writings. The fact that the vast majority of Canadians likely don't want our nation to get soft on terrorism and terrorists is of no concern to Brown. This pathetic weasel seeks power for the sake of power. In his playbook, the ends always justify the means. And maybe that is the reason Patrick Brown was a no-show at the debate last night. He's just way too busy cooking up backroom deals. And some of those backroom deals are being done with people who, quite frankly, do not subscribe to the values of a Western democracy. In his insatiable quest for power, this lying liar will say or do anything, including exploiting diaspora politics and embracing those who support terrorism. Mr. Brown is not simply a fake conservative who finds it almost impossible to tell the truth. Rather, Patrick Brown is downright dangerous. Well, folks, earlier this week, in a landmark judgment, the Supreme Court ruled that, quote, no one can be forced to be vaccinated, end quote. The court also ruled that bodily integrity and personal integrity are protected under the law 
as a constitutional right. Wow. For those who subscribe to freedom of choice and medical privacy, this is indeed an incredible decision by the Supremes. Uh, but alas and alack, I forgot one very important detail, folks. It was the Supreme Court of India, not Canada, that made this landmark decision on May the 2nd. And joining me now to discuss how India's High Court got it right on vaccine mandates while this country refuses to budge on such COVID-19-inspired regulations is Rupa Subramanya, a columnist for the National Post. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Rupa, and I, I hope I didn't massacre the pronunciation of your no, surname. No, <laughs> it, it was perfect. It was perfect. Thank you so much okay. for having me. Well, Rupa, you wrote a superb column in the Post yesterday contrasting India and Canada when it comes to the vax mandates. The question arises, why do Indians finally have freedom from these oppressive rules, whereas Canadians are still essentially stuck in lockdown mode? That's an excellent question. And it's not just India that has, seems to be in the end of the pandemic. It's a whole bunch of different countries. Canada is increasingly an outlier in the world when it comes to um, vaccine mandates, especially as they apply to, um, for example, the, um, the civil service. Um, I can't think of any other country which insists that federal uh, government workers um, um, should be vaccinated, especially when they've been working from home. Um, the judicial system of the two countries, India and Canada, are very similar. They're very similar. Uh, uh, I mean, they have the same parent, essentially. And and it's um, and also there's also a culture of deference between uh, in, in Canada, in the Canadian judicial system and, and the Indian um, uh, judicial system. So that's what makes this um, Supreme Court ruling extraordinary because it begs the question, why aren't the courts, um, you know, why isn't this happening here, um, um, given how, um, uh, how how potent the issue of vaccine mandates has been for the last few months. Um, and, um, and, you know, the, the judgment was remarkable in the sense that the, you know, they tried to strike a delicate balance between um, the government's uh, responsibility towards uh, maintaining public health and safety and and uh, and bodily autonomy of uh, the average Indian citizen, and and and. and that, that in the context of this current situation where uh, infect, infection rates are actually low and uh, and also they refer to emerging scientific evidence uh, that shows that the transmission rates uh, bet between the um, unvaccinated and vaccinated are almost on par. So what is the rationale behind vaccine mandates? Um, and that was the original rationale for vaccine mandates. If you remember last fall, this was before Omicron, uh, the rationale was to curb transmission. Uh, but post-Omicron and post-Omicron um, subvariants, which are highly transmissible, even people with three or four doses um, are getting COVID. I uh, got COVID after my third booster. So, you know, what, what, is, what purpose do mandates serve at this point? You know, uh, you're quite right, Rupa. Uh, it's not just India. Uh, I know very recently Switzerland and Greece, as you noted in your column, they've gotten rid of the mandates. Even, my golly, um, New Zealand arguably had the strictest mandate laws on the books. <clears throat> They're now uh, mm -hmm. freeing things up. I believe on May 1st, uh, it no longer applies to international uh, travelers. That's the VAX mandates. So, 
What is the unspoken strategy here, Rupa? I mean, is this really all about politics? Is this about the Justin Trudeau liberals demonizing the unvaxxed for political gain somehow? Well, uh, I've been desperately searching for the science. What is the scientific rationale behind these mandates? And as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, the original rationale was to curb transmission. Now that everybody is getting uh, infected, that uh, that becomes, you know, that, that basically falls apart. Uh, so then the question is, so why do, are these mandates in place? And I can't help but think that this is all about politics at this point. Um, and the more you um, um, demoralize the unvaccinated, you, the more you um, denigrate them. And all of that has been happening. Um, you know, we know that's been happening. Uh, the Freedom Convoy protesters, for example, have been demonized like, like uh, you know, it, to, to such a great extent that I think, you know, many of them are actually feeling a little... Um, demoralized at this point, and uh, I think it's all about politics. I think I think the Trudeau government probably wants to see where this is going to go. Um, uh, um, you know, they, they probably just want to um, also attack their opponents in the Conservative Party, especially now that the leadership campaign is in full force. Um, and and I and I suppose you know that uh, if you were a Conservative leader support of the convoy, um, you know this is this is. This is, you know, they're hoping to play this as a wedge issue um, as long as it takes. You know, you mentioned the Freedom Convoy. We saw how they were demonized, Rupa. Uh, last weekend, I was in Ottawa to cover Rolling Thunder. These were a group of peaceful bikers. All they wanted to do was take a lap around the National War Memorial and lay a wreath. Uh, they were denied uh, doing that. They were demonized, too. Again, another peaceful protest. I'm beginning to think, Rupa, for those on the left, is freedom the new F word? Um, yeah, freedom seems to be seems to have become really a toxic word, which is quite um, bizarre to me because it's it's so fundamental to our existence. Uh, it's it's fundamental to democratic societies. Uh, freedom may not mean much to the average North Korean, but it does mean a lot. I think it means a lot to the average Canadian. So, um, so I, I just find that you know every time one talks about freedom and individual liberty, um, it, it seems to trigger. Uh, folks on the left, and uh, which is which is you know a really bizarre reaction. But I, I do think that um, maybe at a basic level, people people are actually afraid of being free. Um, and um, you know, it's it, those of us who who've come to Canada from countries that that didn't protect individual liberty, that that uh, gave sh short shrift to freedom and uh, individual liberties. We we really value um, um, uh, freedom and. Uh, uh, and that's something that, you know, you start valuing it when, when it's taken away from you. And going back to the issue at hand, Rupa, I mean, we don't have a Supreme Court decision one way or the other, but you did mention in your column, it was a very interesting anecdote, it was how uh, arbitrators ruled against the Canadian Union of Postal Workers when mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, union uh, filed a grievance against Canada Post mandatory vaccination requirement. Um, this, it, this doesn't seem hopeful what's happening here as so many other nations around the globe are opening up. It seems that, be it 
corporations, crown corporations, the federal government, they're still hell-bent on keeping these vax mandates. But given the lack of effectiveness, what's the point? It is politics. It's not about the science anymore, as I mentioned earlier. And there have been a series of these uh, cases that have come up before arbitrators, the most recent one being the uh, Canadian Union of uh, Postal Workers. Um, and, you know, and, and, and it's not just it's not just that. I mean, it's the unions as well, which is extraordinary. Um, in the UK, for example, the uh, unions were uh, very, uh, you know, came up strongly against the va against uh, vaccine mandates, uh, when they were being proposed, so uh, but our unions here, for some reason, um, seem to seem to side with the government uh, on this issue, and it and it truly is perplexing. I mean, the, the left has uh, essentially sided with the government on this and focused on other issues uh, when when they should be, uh, you know, fighting for workers' rights. Uh, where are they? Uh, you know, they're, they're nowhere to be found. You know, and. It's almost perversely embarrassing because we see government, corporations, unions walking in lockstep. I mean, we have come across unionized employees who are suspended without pay and they get no benefits. And uh, it's one thing for the company and the government to uh, uh, wage war on them in this regard, Rupa, but their union too? I mean, I'm asking... Why am I paying union dues? Why do I need a union when you're simpatico with the, the company and the government? Yeah, it is extraordinary. I mean, it is, the, you know, large sections of the media, the com uh, the, uh, the comment uh, commentariat, um, the, um, the unions, of course, and, um, you know, and they're all basically speaking, uh, you know, they're all using the same talking points, as you say, they seem to be in lockstep with the government. Um, and again, I would I would point that uh, I'd like to point that Canada again is uniquely you know it's 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 an outlier in in, in this in this in this uh, you know as far as mandates are concerned and as far as opposition to the mandates is concerned from unions and um, you know other uh, organizations organizations that should be fighting for workers' rights. Um, and and so it is extraordinary. I I think at this point it is really about politics. Uh, like I mentioned in my column and I mentioned to you earlier, that it makes sense for them to play this as a wedge issue, uh, continue to polarize Canadians, continue to divide Canadians, uh, continue to demoralize uh, the unvaccinated in the hopes, perhaps, you know, that, uh, you know, let's say a protest turns violent. I wasn't here this past weekend, but I know friends who were uh, who who were at the protests, and um, you know, and they, many of these folks, uh, you know, mentioned to me that um, that you know there was a, a dark element to the protest this time. You know, it didn't have the uh, the mm. spirit of, uh, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't like the Freedom Convoy protest. There was something definitely a dark underlining, a dark line to the uh, to to the protests, and uh, and perhaps it speaks to the fact that uh, many of the protesters are now really tired. Their patience is wearing thin. Um, they've not been told why these mandates are in place. I mean, they asked some very good questions. The Conservatives have been asking excellent questions in the House of Commons, um, uh, you know, asking asking the government, you know, show us the evidence, show, point us to a study um, that, uh, that that justifies these, these mandates. Um, you know, to, who are the experts that you're consulting? And these are questions that a lot of people have been asking. 
but you know there are no answers uh, the answers that we get the responses that we've been getting from the government is that um i think at one point uh, prime minister trudeau said uh, in response to minister lansman's very very specific questions on uh, the rationale for travel mandates he said most canadians are vaccinated i mean that's a complete non response so it's it's frustrating it's adding to the frustration of uh, people who are not able to board a plane they're not able to uh, go back to work because they're on leave without pay um, and and so it is it is it is getting you know their patience is wearing thin and i worry the more this goes on the more angry people are going to get and um, and then you know the that corrosive narrative that was in place um, during the freedom convoy uh, may end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. well Rupa, I'm going to throw now to a clip from a Justin Trudeau Liberal MP who is indeed justifying that we have to keep these mandates in place when it comes to Canadians who are unvaxxed and want to travel. Let's check out what he has to say. If the NDP Liberals won't follow the province's lead and give unvaccinated Canadians their rights back, maybe they will follow our international partners. We know that the Prime Minister values his Playboy image on the world stage more than anything else, as his travels and selfies prove, but our international partners are bewildered as to why the Canadian government is so reluctant to let life return to normal for all Canadians. Yeah. Switzerland and Greece are removing all travel-related restrictions next week, and virtually no other country requires it for domestic travel for their citizens. So why won't this government follow the science? The Honourable Prime Minister, Secretary to the Minister of Health and the Minister of Sport. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and I thank my honourable colleague for giving me the opportunity to highlight a recent study indicating that, unfortunately, the unvaccinated continue to disproportionately risk the safety of those vaccinated against COVID-19 and highlight the fact that in the last week, Almost 12,000 Canadians have received their first dose, 30,000 Canadians have received their second, 89,000 have received their third, and over 220,000 have received their fourth dose, Madam Speaker. This pandemic is not over. We all want it to be, but we must continue to follow the science. We must continue to support our neighbours. We must continue to, to fight for kids to ensure that young people under six do not get COVID-19, as they have been the biggest uh, numbers in the last couple of days. Thank you. Well, part for the course, yet another uh, Justin Trudeau Liberal that doesn't answer the question. we got to wrap it up, uh, Rupa. I want to ask you to gaze into uh, a proverbial crystal ball. What do you think, when do you think these mandates, whether it's by the government dropping them or by our Supreme Court ruling on this issue, when is someone, well, like me, who's unvaccinated, where I can get on a plane, fly down to the Dominican Republic, I'd love to do that, like the good old days, when or oh when do you think that's going to happen, if it's going to happen? Um, I think it, it will happen. I don't I think it's a question of, um, um, you know, when um, and, uh, you know, I don't have a specific date in mind, but I do think that the pressure that uh, they're certainly feeling the pressure. Uh, I know almost every day there's a question in the House of Commons uh, uh, trying to hold the government to account, asking them to um, explain to us why these mandates continue place when other countries, including New Zealand, um, which uh, followed a very aggressive uh, COVID zero policy, has uh, rolled back many of these mandates, including the fact that you can get uh, board Air New Zealand unvaccinated. Uh, and uh, and that's quite extraordinary. Um, so, you know, they, the government can continue to justify these mandates. They can refer to studies that show that the unvaccinated are a threat to the vaccinated and they can they can they can do all of that. But, you know, the rest of the world is 
was moving on and we're still um uh, you know in in pandemic mode and uh, and that's that's clear for everybody to see the, re the the world is watching us uh i know people who uh you know visited canada and left canada and they they say canada feels like a prison uh because our restrictions here are um, uh, you know uh, harsher than anywhere else couldn't agree with you more, Rupa. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. And folks, uh, please check out Rupa's column in the National Post. The headline, India's courts get it right on vaccine mandates and Canada doesn't. What a disgrace. Keep it here. More of the Ezra Levent Show to come right after this. Well, folks, you know, we here at Rebel News, we get your correspondence electronically, that is, every minute of every day. And why don't we just check out some of our fan mail, or is it perhaps hate mail? That's okay. We're an equal opportunity employer here. Grace Friesen writes, isn't it about time to call MSM welfare media? Oh, and while we're at it, why not call all politicians welfare bums too? Well, certainly the career politicians who basically don't do anything, I think bum is an apt descriptor, but... You're right. In terms of the mainstream media receiving government money, not only are they receiving a form of welfare, but they are inherently in a conflict of interest. How can you possibly fairly and impartially cover the government when the government is, in essence, your sugar daddy? Unbelievable. Sarah Candence blog writes, Canada is doomed. That's why my family and I left this year, only coming back after Fidel's son leaves the government, and it might be after 2025. Well, you know, first of all, I'd love to know uh, where you flew off to. Uh, I, of course, being one of the filthy unvaxxed Canadians, I can't get out of our uh, country under the present vax uh, mandates. And yeah, 2025, it seems so long away. I mean, as the saying goes, today can't possibly dream of what tomorrow brings. Uh, let's hope Jugmeet Singh grows a set and stops propping up this hideous liberal government. Let's hope we have regime change sooner than three years away. Photo 606 writes, Love listening to Sheila Gunn Reed. As a Winnipegger, I don't listen to local radio unless it's music, and I loathe the Winnipeg Free Press, which seems to have been deteriorating in quality and integrity for years. Well, my friend, I can tell you, same deal with terrestrial radio in Toronto. Um, if some of these cats uh, don't get off the air, I'm going to stop breathing it, to use the old Dick Beddoes quote. And uh, what do you think about the fact that the Winnipeg Free Press that you have disdained for, you are indirectly paying for that. That would be part of the newspaper cabal getting that $600 million plus a year to keep them afloat. Otherwise, it's a bankrupt entity. Funny that, um, if something's going to fail... Why do we have to come to its rescue? I never understood that kind of perverse capitalism. Maybe because it's not capitalism at all. It's more like Marxism. Well, folks, that wraps up another edition of 
the Ezra Levant Show. The big boss man, he'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have a great weekend. And as always, stay sane. I know you said that. I understand. Yeah, why? leave now. Why? Zach? Why, why is that? Because we're not giving you accreditation to this okay, event. Then. So, so yeah, we're going to ask you to leave this. Under week. the Trespass Property Act, we will remove you from Okay, the who are you? I work for the party, and I'm... Okay, can I see some ID then? It's right here, sir. It just says tour 2022. Yeah, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Okay. Please. What, what is your name then? So we have uniform police on site that okay. will come and remove you. So. I don't even know... Who, Hold can I ask you why? That's a fair question. I you see other media are. here. We're not, you're not invited to the event, and you're not checked in. You're not coming to the event. But do you have to be invited? I see all sorts of people coming yeah, in here. Everybody here is invited, and they're all here for the right reasons. So... Oh. So you're asking us to leave, but you won't give us a reason why. Okay, but what is the reason? Can you let's go? Come on. What is the reason? Sir, we're gonna leave. Uh, can I just ask though? Just I'm not answering any we're questions. We're gonna leave right now. Yeah. I'm just asking well, why. I'm only telling you you have to leave. We know who you are, and we're not causing any. Well, what does that mean? We, you know who we are. I, I don't understand what that means. Mike, right there. That's right, Rebel News. So we're media. Thank you. Okay then. Thank you very much. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we can't get in. Um, but the state-funded media, CBC, City TV, Global, CTV, they can. Uh, that was Ford spokeswoman, the person I was talking to. Um, you see, there'll be no problem of Brian Lilly getting entry because that is Brian Lilly's mistress. It is a grotesque conflict of interest. It's a conflict of interest that, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't been declared. So is that the new rule that you got to get really up close and personal with the uh, PC communications team or else you're asked to leave? Well, I'm sorry, I'm a married man. And besides, Ivana is not my type. In any event, uh, as uh, always, we will try to make uh, lemonade out of lemons and uh, do our streeters outside. But what does it say that a man, Doug Ford, in September 2017, I remember it well, I was interviewing him at Rebel News headquarters, proposed a weekly Rebel News show and only to change his mind, not based on what he wanted to do, but you see, Dave, the team, the team has different ideas. That's what he told me in November after he was ignoring my phone calls, emails, texts, etc. So in any event, um, uh, it's baffling. Perhaps his cozy relationship with Justin Trudeau is what has made us media non grata. We have come to the Toronto Congress Centre several times several times in the last four years. We've been warmly received, but um, now we're media non grata. And I don't think it's an unfair question to ask why. And, uh, but you saw it, even his communications head honcho, um, AKA Brian Lilly's mistress um, says, we are not wanted here. I used to work with her at Sun News. Boy, do relationships change quickly. Well, enough about that. Let's see what some of the folks have to say in terms of Doug Ford's greatest achievement and greatest failure. Oh, I, I think I can weigh in chapter and verse on failures, folks, believe me. But we'll uh, see what the folks have to say. Uh, for me, um, I think it's uh, bringing peace back to the province, you understand. Uh, moving away from the politics of uh, identity politics that was dividing the province so much before. Mm. 
And when you have peace, you can get many things done. Okay. And it's getting many things done, you know. And that's a slogan this campaign, get it done. But yeah. get what done exactly? The infrastructures. Okay. Uh, restoring the school to standard that the children can be able to study and get good grades, right? Okay. And uh, making Toronto and Ontario more uh, a better place for everybody to live and feel equal. Well, I'm a candidate. Oh, okay then. Yes, so I don't know if it's appropriate for me to comment, but I think he did a great job. And you know what? <laughs> Especially his leadership through COVID, making sure that everybody was safe and we put people, you know what, we had to make sure that our, our, all the province was safe and we put the people first. But in fairness, he got a lot of flack. He said one month uh, he was against vaccine passports and then he flip-flopped on that and that caused a lot of uh, discontent. Do, do you think he made the right call? I, I absolutely believe he made the right call. Okay. Then. He, were, he was th thinking about the people health. Okay. That's uh, this. This protection was extra, uh, extra um, like um, work for to care about the Ontarians. Hey, Randy, how you doing there? You know, we're just asking people today um, what Doug Ford's biggest achievement has been and his biggest failure these last four years. Oh I'm happy with that interaction because unlike the last time I had an encounter with Randy Ford um, via a voice box at Deco Labels, a store I don't think, I mean a business I don't think ever closed during the pandemic. In fact, I think business has never been better. Uh, well, he or one of his henchmen called the police. Check it out. Oh, who are you, sir? Okay. I, I won't say a single thing. Okay. Okay, he's a perfect leader. Perfect? Absolutely. Okay, then. Because, you know, the saying goes, show me a great man, I'll show you a flawed man, but not with Doug Ford? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. You have to be clear in your mind when you select a leader, you have to be very clear what you are saying about him. Okay. So I don't see anything negative. I just want to support him. We want to looking forward next four years for him. But sir, when it comes to clarity, I mean, he received a lot of flack when he said there was no way there was going to be a two-tier citizenship status in Ontario in terms of a, of a VAX passport. But uh, the answer is no, we aren't going to do it. We aren't going to have a split society. A few weeks later, he said, guess what, folks, we're getting a VAX passport. I follow the medical advice of the chief medical officer in the science, and we haven't wavered from that. And we have two options here. We either do this or we risk shutting down the economy, which would even be worse, having our hospital capacity maxed out and, and at the brink. That kind of flip-flop, is that truly leadership? Well, you know, we are all human beings, okay? There are certain types of U-turn that you have to do at the time when looking at the ground realities. Okay. So I would ignore that, you know, if that happens. First of all, he's not misstepped at all. He's uh, putting the the, um, the province in the right direction uh, to quote his mantra, get it done, and Doug's doing it, okay? okay. He's made commitments and he's false his commitments. Where is the line exactly, just so I can...